You may have a seat. I am super excited about today, and let me do a really, really, really quick review. For those of you that were not here last week, we're in the middle of a, or we're actually in the second week of a series called Dead Man Walking. And it's about John chapter 11, where Jesus brings a man named Lazarus back to life. And last week, last week, we talked about trust issues, and we talked about how difficult it is sometimes to trust God. And every one of us that's honest, I know, I know we're not supposed to say that in church, that we have a difficult time trusting God sometimes, but we all do. And so we talked about that and how trust is foundational, which leads into this week. And, and this week, we're going to talk about probably one of the most frequent questions, if not the most frequent question that anybody in ministry gets, and, and this is it. How do I know God's will for my life? That there's even, I get that sometimes even from non-Christians or non-Christ followers or whatever. It's like, okay, if there's a God and he is good, like we sang, just sang about, like a good, good father, then I want to know his plan for me. So how do I know God's will for my life? And, and this is the best way I could think of to illustrate it. Let's say that table is God's will for, for my life or for your life. And I'm right here. So I'm here and there's God's will for my life. So if you, or if you are giving me advice on how to make it to that table from here, what's the most logical, practical thing you could tell me to do? Take a step. You see that? I'm just one step closer. I'm just one step closer. And after I take that step, then I'm just, I just need to do, do what? Take, take another step. And eventually I just get, a little, you see how this works? For me, I'm a visual person, so I have to make things visual um, and, and simple and, and taking a step. Now, taking that step, taking that step, taking our next step is very, very simple. One of the things I've discovered about God is he always makes the next step simple. But just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. For example, about the past two months, I think on two or three occasions from this stage, I've talked to us, like when I, I don't say you, I say us, because these messages are just as much for me as they are anybody in the room or anybody watching online. Um, I've talked about releasing anger and releasing bitterness and getting that out of our lives. Because even if you're not a Christian, it's just not good to carry around anger and bitterness at other people. And I said from the stage, um, I, you know what, I've worked all the anger and bitterness issues toward other people out of my life. And when I said it, I meant it, and I really did think it was true. Until after the last message, I preached on it. That next Monday morning, I got up and, I, you know, it's very important that I get my coffee and my Bible together, okay? And, and that's like the coffee and the Bible. And I opened up my Bible and God just spoke to me and said, um, you know, there's that one person that you still haven't forgiven. Now, I wish I, wish I could tell you, I, I, <laughs> I wish I could tell you, I was like, you know what? You're right, God. I have not forgiven that person. Please forgive me. I hadn't even thought about that. I'm going to let them know right now that they're forgiven. But it's me. And I, believe it or not, I have the propensity sometimes to kind of push back on God a little bit. Anybody with me on that? You kind of push back on God a little bit? Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, don't pretend that your biggest problem this morning was polishing your halo, all right? All of us have a propensity for pushing back on God. And so I, I told God, I don't think that's the best idea, you know, I just, that just kind of opens up a whole, I, so God, no, 
No. Next morning, Bible, coffee, conviction. It's like God's like, hey, listen. Now, here's the cool thing about it. God doesn't, when he's, when he's telling us to take our next step, he's not mad. He don't have a bullhorn. He's not yelling at us. If we don't do it, he's not going to like give our dog diarrhea or something like that or like make our car break down or something. It's not like that. God's like, listen, this next step, now, a lot of people are like, anytime we take a next step, it gives God more glory. Really? I think God's doing really good in the glory department. I don't think he needs us taking a next step. It's not about him getting glory. It's about us being filled with joy. That's what the next step is about, even when it's a difficult step. So God's like, you need to forgive this person. I was like, but, but I have, God. I have in my heart. Like, in my heart, I have forgiven them. And God's like, can they see your heart? I was like, I mean, no. God's like, you need to do it. I said, no. Wednesday morning, get up. You can't make this stuff up. And God is like, you need, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stop it right here. I'm going to stop it right here. Now, what I'm about to do, what I'm about to say, I have made fun of this. I've told people not to do it. I've said it's not a good idea, but I was desperate. So this is literally what I said. All right, God, here's the deal. This morning... When I walk Chance, Chance is my dog, and I live downtown. I said, when I walk Chance, if I see a feather on the sidewalk, don't ask me what, just don't, I don't know. I, I have no idea. So if I see a feather on the sidewalk, I will text that person and let them know all is forgiven. I lived downtown for a year and a half, have never seen a feather on the, and now listen, I didn't get ridiculous. I didn't say, God, if I could see a naked Smurf, because um, <laughs> I would probably need to go back to rehab. But, like, I, like, I just, like, I didn't ask for anything ridiculous. I just wanted to see, like, a feather. So I walk outside with Chance. We take five steps down the road, and, and just anybody want to take a wild guess what I saw? A feather. Freaking feather. And it wasn't a small one either. It looked like a pterodactyl that, like, dropped a feather. And I was like, Fine show off, you win. And I did. When I got back in, I, I got my phone. And I sent a text and I was like, hey, no, I haven't spoken in a while. I just want to let you know when that thing happened, I'm so sorry. And um, I know this happened, but I just want to let you know, no hard feelings. I totally, and, and listen, listen, I wish I could tell you that angels showed up and they started singing and like, I got a check in the mail for $10,000 and all this stuff. None of that happened. But you know what did happen in that moment? In that moment, peace. And it, it was just like, you know what? I feel like in just saying yes, it wasn't, it, it was simple, but it wasn't easy. And just saying yes, I took one step closer to discovering God's ultimate will for my life. And that's how we do it. Step, because see, if we're here and God showed us that, his will for our lives, a lot of us, we couldn't even believe it. We couldn't wrap our minds around it. But if we take a step, and we take a step, and we take a step, and we take a step, not only does his will become clearer, but who he is actually becomes clearer to us. And that, that is the win. So with that in mind, with that in mind, we're going to do a little bit of review before we dive in today. In John chapter 8, Jesus was in a region of Israel called Judea. And he did, a, he did some teaching, 
And um, the crowd wasn't completely pleased with his teaching. So they picked up rocks to stone him. Now, that's how they killed people back then, right? They just pick up rocks and to stone Jesus, which I, you know, I've had some bad sermons, but nobody's throwing a rock at me yet. Um, I'm just saying. So if they're throwing rocks at Jesus and they miss Jesus, who, do they, who would they hit? The disciples, right? Because they're the closest to Jesus. So they're in Judea. People are throwing rocks at Jesus. Jesus kind of gets out of the situation. In John chapter 9, he heals a man born blind. In John chapter 10, he does a little bit more teaching. And once again, same reaction, crowd throwing rocks in Judea. So the Bible says he had to leave Judea and go to another place. So he's in this place. And Mary and Martha, we said last week, their brother Lazarus was, does anybody remember what condition he had? He was, he was sick, right? Three times. He was sick. So they sent a message to Jesus saying, the Lord, the one you love is sick. And they were, and Jesus stood up and said, this sickness will not end in death. And then he sat back down. And when, I think when he sat back down, all the disciples were like, because anybody, does anybody, anybody want to take a wild guess what area of the country Lazarus lived in? Judea, a place where they throw rocks, the bad part of town, okay? Now, with that in mind, with that in mind, with that in mind, let's look at John chapter 11, verse 7. Oh, yeah, I meant to say that. Everyone has a next step, and that next step is the right step. Forgot to work that in. <laughs> this is second chance. I'll, I'll hit it from here on out. Here we go. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Just a real quick survey question. Do you think the disciples were excited about this idea, yes or no? No. No, because they got rocks in Judea. But Jesus is like, hey, gentlemen, our next step. And if I'm the disciple, I'm like, you got a mouse in your pocket? Because I ain't going, I mean, I don't know where you're getting this. But he's like, we are going back to Judea. Our next step to get closer to what God ultimately has for us is to go back to Judea, which blows up the myth that the quote, safest place to be is in the middle of the will of God. What? What? The best place to be is in the middle of the will of God. But sometimes it's totally not safe. This, this right here, this right here is not safe. And it is simple, but it's not easy. If you're right here, Jesus is saying, let's take this next step. It's not easy. But let's ask ourselves this question. In Scripture, where did God ever ask anyone to do anything that was easy? Noah, I want you to build a boat. Awesome. What's a boat? They didn't have boats because it never rained. They were 150 miles from the nearest body of water. It's like you're going to need to build a boat because it's going to rain. Awesome. It's rain. Noah had to build this boat. Get made fun of. David, David, I want you to go fight Goliath. For real. Do you think, let me ask you a question. Do you think David was like pitting out a little bit when he was walking down in the valley? He's a teenager. He probably had an axe body spray all over him, but it didn't matter because that's scary. 
I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's easy. I'm not going to blow smoke up your rear end and tell you that, which, by the way, is the worst metaphor in the world because I'm not sure that's ever been done to anybody. And if it is, you should never, dear God, meds are wearing off. Y'all, this ain't an act. This is real. This is for real. I just lost my place. Oh, yeah. So, so the next step is simple, but it's not easy. So, so Jesus is like, let's go back to the place where you could possibly be killed. By the way, this, he went back to the place, and he ultimately was, was killed there. But he, that whole resurrection thing was amazing. Um, but his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said. A few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Now, now I would, I've got this underlined for a reason. i got this underlined for a reason. It's huge. But his disciples objected. Now, the reason I want to point that out is because I want to blow up a myth. We blew up a lot of myths last week. I want to blow this myth up, and the myth is this. The closer we get to Jesus, the easier it is to follow him. Doesn't that sound great? Like you could put that on a coffee mug and sell it, right? Not in Christian bookstores. They're all going out of business because of Amazon. But like you could put that on a T-shirt or you could put that on something like that right there is what people say. The closer you get to Jesus, the easier it is to follow him. But let me ask you this question. How much closer could you get to Jesus than the disciples? I mean, the disciples were as like, they were as close to Jesus as they were closer to Jesus than any of us. They had seen miracles. They had seen Jesus walked on walk on water. They had tasted the food out of the five loaves and two fish. They had seen things and heard things that we had we have never seen and never heard. And if you're having a tough time taking your next step in your walk with Christ, it doesn't mean that you are a bad person. It doesn't even mean that you're a bad Christian. It means that you're a human being. Because that next step is simple, but it's not easy. But the disciples object but the disciples objected Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. And by the way, the rocks that missed you, they hit us. And watch what they said. Watch this. Don't miss this. It's subtle, but it's in the Bible. Are you, <laughs> are you going there? Because, like, we've been talking. <laughs> We have decided, whether it's like a committee, like we, we have decided we're not going and we're not sure it's the right thing for you to do. But, and the reason, the reason they push back, don't miss this, is because Jesus was asking them to step out of their comfort zone and into a commitment. He was asking them to go from convenience to commitment. And I don't know about you. But I love things that are convenient. I like it when the red lights are always green. I like it when the traffic is always moving. I like it when the grocery store clerk is, I, I like it when the person in front of me don't have coupons and don't try to pay cash. Like I like things that, in fact, um, one of the things about me most people know is I'm a Clemson fan. I, I am. I, I've been a Clemson. I've had people say, you can't talk about that. I'm like, please. 
And I've had people ask, why are you a Clemson fan? I'm like, by the grace of God. Because he wanted, he wanted me to know what it was like to feel like a winner. So anyway, I, I'm, a Cle- I'm a Clemson fan. But there are some people that would question my commitment. Because when it comes to going to a game, I'm, I'm, I'll be 48 in about a week and a half. I'm not trying to be inconvenient. So if you said, Pastor P, I got tickets to a Clemson game. You want to go? What's my first question? Where are the seats? Because I ain't trying to get one step below heaven. You know what I'm talking about? Like you sit in the upper deck. One more step, and you're like, Peter, what's up, dog? I, 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 I'm not, oh, and if it's the first game of the season, I'm out. You know why? Because in 2005, I went to the first game of the season where Clemson played Georgia. Georgia took us behind the woodshed and spanked us um, like we spanked Alabama last year. I mean, it, it was like horrible, but it was 98 degrees. I was sweating all, I had sweat running down everything. I mean, it was just sweating and I was miserable. And it's not convenient. And if you go, I got great seats. I got box seats. I'm like, oh, man, it's awesome. But do you have a parking pass? (laughs) No, I'm serious. Because I went over there one time without a parking pass, and we parked, and we were walking to the stadium. Deshaun Watson was a freshman. By the time we got to the stadium, he was a junior. I mean, it took forever. And I've had people go, you must not be a true fan. I was like, I guess I'm not because I prefer convenience over the commitment to go and walk two miles to sit in the upper deck, right? But it's the same thing in our walk with Christ. Most people, we prefer convenience over commitment. And it really does take a commitment to take that simple but not easy next step. So if you're in here wrestling with that, It's because Jesus is calling you, just like he's calling me, out of our comfort and convenience zone. And that's what's going on right here. So so the disciples, let's let's just be honest. They ask a legitimate question. And let me pause. I didn't even say this last, last service. God's not bothered by your questions. I grew up in a church background. I was like, don't ask God questions. And I'm like, why? I want to know the answer. All right? God's not bothered by the questions. They're like, well, Job questioned God. No, Job was arrogant and self-righteous. There's a difference. It's okay to question God. They're questioning Jesus right here. Are you going there again? This is awesome. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. And the disciples are like, what in the heck? Is he talking about? He's giving us a science lesson. He's telling, what, is he telling one of, I don't know what he's talking about. Okay, thank you, Captain Obvious. There are 12 hours of daylight in a day. We're trying to talk about the rocks and the people that want to kill us when we go there. And you're talking about daylight. Jesus didn't even, he just kind of kept going. During the day, people can walk safely. Okay? Okay? And he keeps going. They can see because they have the light of this world. Mm-hmm. Everybody's nodding their head. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. And all the disciples went, we have no idea what you're talking about. 
And at first, it, this right here has nothing to do with the passage. Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Go back to Judea. Let's go back to Judea. And Jesus goes into a science lesson. And everybody is like, what in the world is going on? But one of the best commentaries on the Bible is the Bible. And John had actually recorded in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus saying these words. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus was talking about him being the light of the world. So somebody asked me the other day, what's the fastest that you've ever driven in a car? Like your drive, what's the fastest you've ever driven in a car? And, and my honest answer is, I don't know. I quit looking at the steering wheel. I mean, I quit looking at the speedometer. I, was, I had both hands on the steering wheel like this, shaking, when it went past 150. Um, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, where were you? Highway 81 here in Anderson. <laughs> I had a friend that brought a Camaro by... The, where I, and he said, listen, it's got 832 horsepower in it. And I just needed to know if that was true. I needed to know if I could trust my friend. So I, I stopped looking at the speedometer. at a, Now, it was Highway 81. It was a beautiful day. The sun was out. There were no cars around me. It was incredibly safe. <laughs> but I did. Now, if it would have been night... I wouldn't have done that. You know why? Because I, I don't see really good at night, right? Like we, don't, don't, we drive slower at night, don't we? Especially if we don't know the roads. Especially if we don't know the way. Nobody is going to cut their headlights off and drive as fast as they can because that's the best way to have a crash. Jesus is kind of talking about, and he's not talking about cars here, but he is talking about light and darkness. Because one of the things I've discovered about Jesus is he will provide a, listen, we live in a dark world. We live in a dark world. You don't even have to be a Christian to believe that. I mean, you cut on the news and somebody is killing somebody and somebody did this and somebody did that. We live in a dark world. And Jesus is saying, hey, no matter how dark the world gets, if you walk with me, you will always have light in your life. And you might not know what that is, but you will know what your next step is as long as we stay connected to the light. In fact, I wrote this down so I could remember it. Connection brings clarity. As long as we stay connected to Jesus, the next step will be incredibly clear. Not the next three steps, five steps, eight steps, but he will always make that next step clear, which is why we go back to over and over again. What is the thing or what are the things that connect you to Christ the most? Is it worship music? Is it sitting in a message? Is it reading the Bible? Is it prayer? Whatever connects you and your heart to Jesus, just do that a whole lot. Because connection brings clarity. And listen, listen, Jesus wants us to know our next step, sometimes more than we actually want to know it. So, so, so Jesus goes into a science lesson and talks to him about the light. And then he says this. Then he said, our dear or our friend, you notice they said, are you going? Jesus goes, our. So Jesus is kind of pulling them back into the conversation. He's like, our friend, Lazarus, 
has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. You got a teenager, you know something about this. It's summertime, right? They sleep till like 12, 1 in the afternoon, right? And you have to go and wake them up. And they're always so happy <laughs> that you came in their room. But side note, don't you love it when they tell you it's their room? It's their room because they paid for it, right? It's their room because they pay for the air conditioner. They pay for the carpet. They paid for this. It's their room. It's not the, your room. It's my freaking room. I'll come in. I'll paint it pink if I want to paint my Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I saw a lot of y'all looking at your kids when I was going off on that, and I'm just going to kind of stare at the screen for a second and let y'all kind of deal with that family thing right there. But all he did right here was clarify things. Now, he didn't tell them the whole story. Like, a lot of times, if I'm a planner. I like to know the whole story. Okay, God, car breaking down is not a problem, but I'm going to need it to happen at 2.37 on a Tuesday afternoon because I got something at 1, I got something at 3, so if it breaks down at 2.30, I can pray, have it fixed by 2.45. And do it. Like, I want, God's not going to do that. But he does provide a little bit. It's okay to ask God for clarity. It's okay, it's okay to ask God, God, if this is the next step, Make it clear. But when you ask for clarity and he provides it, then, then it's back on us to take that next step. It reminded me of um, <laughs> we were on vacation one time, and right next to our hotel was this death trap called a ride, um, and, and they called it the slingshot. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these, but it's like two big towers, and they basically have this humongous rubber band and they pull it down and they stick this cart in the middle of it and what you do is you pay them money to strap yourself into the cart to be shot up in the air with the rubber band and you're strapped in you can't get out and there's no parachute or anything sounds amazing doesn't it <laughs> so Karis at the time she was like three or four years old I can't remember she's three or four years old she's like daddy I want to ride that daddy I want to ride that I was like absolutely baby we'll, we'll just go ride it because in my mind I'm like, she's not going to be high. She's not going to be tall enough. She's not going to weigh enough. There's no way they let her ride that. But I just wanted to help bring clarity into her life. So I walked up with her to Mr. Carney. You know what I'm talking about? Mr. Carney. I'm not making fun of him. It's just, it's a Carney. And uh, I was like, hey, man, um, my daughter wants to ride this ride. Is, is she tall? Like, he's like, well, she ain't tall enough and she don't weigh enough but if you get in there with her you'll about balance it out <laughs> I've got a video of it um it like like literally they strap you in this thing so they can find your body when this thing falls. I'm like, dear God, what have I done? But I asked for clarity. And the next step was simple. Strap yourself into this thing. But it was not easy. And that, that's what happens a lot of time. We ask God for clarity and he's going to give us clarity. It's like our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. Now we see this. And especially if we've read the Gospel of John, and we know what Jesus is talking about. We know this is figurative language. We know that sleep is actually symbolic for death. We, we know all that stuff. But the disciples, maybe they knew it, maybe they didn't. Watch what they do. Watch what they do. Because once again, they're pushing back on Jesus. They're resisting Jesus. Jesus said, he's asleep, and I'm going to go wake him up. 
And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. <laughs> In other words, the rocks hurt, Jesus. Like we don't, we're not, we're trying to avoid the pain. So if he's sleeping, he'll get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So once again, they push back on Jesus because they're not, listen, they're not wanting to take that next step. So it's like that second time I push back on Jesus, maybe you're here and you've pushed back on Jesus that second time or that 20th time or that 200th time, and you know that next step that you want to take, and you say, okay, can you give me something else? But there was no other option. Jesus said, we got to go see Lazarus, and he's sleeping. Well, he'll get better. So then Jesus clarifies. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. To which they all were like, oh, well, that's a problem. Because, because last week, Jesus said, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. He said that. Those words came out of the mouth of Jesus. But right here, he's saying, Lazarus is dead. Which is just confirmation for us that even if we think something's over, as long as Jesus is involved, it's not over. He really can bring hope. He really can bring joy. He really can bring peace back to life. He can do all of those things. He, it, a lot of times, we're not waiting on him. He's just waiting on us to be willing to take the next step. He said, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Jesus is like, this is not about me. This is, for, for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Jesus is like, because <laughs> up until this point, they had seen some awesome stuff. They had seen incredible, like in John chapter 2, Jesus turned the water into wine, and the Baptists have been pissed about it ever since, but he did it, and it was a miracle, and it was awesome. In John chapter 6, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. He also walked on water. In John chapter 9, he healed a man born blind. I mean, he had done all these miracles, and they still were kind of wrestling. I don't know. You think he's the Messiah? Maybe. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Got to see one more thing. Maybe if he did something really cool, and Jesus is inviting them. Don't miss this. Jesus is inviting them to have a front row seat to one of the most amazing miracles that had ever happened in the history of the world. And they're like, oh, God, I don't know. I don't know if we can take that next step. See, when Jesus is asking us to take a next step, when Jesus is asking us to take a next step, it's because he's wanting to give us front row seats to the miracles that he actually wants to do in our lives. It's never, ever, ever about pushing us down. It's about pulling us closer to him. Now, my boy Thomas, you got to love Thomas. This is his response. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go. Let's go to and die with Jesus. You ever met that guy? <laughs> well, Th Tom is like, fine, 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 fine. We all going to die. You're killing everybody. Thank you very much. It's been nice following you. But we're going to get killed. That's great. You want to get us? That's fine. We'll just go get killed. That's his, that's his attitude. 
That's his attitude. But, but don't miss this. If, if you miss everything I've said about it today, don't miss this. Our next step is not about punishment. It's about progress. God wants us to take our next step, not so he can punish us, but so we can make progress in our spiritual journey. For me, for me, for me, texting that person and letting them know they were forgiven, I wasn't responsible for their reaction. I was responsible for my obedience. When God asks us to take a next step, we're not responsible for anyone else or anything else. We're responsible for being obedient in that moment and in that moment when he asks us to do what he's asking us to do. It's because he wants greater things for our lives than we actually want for ourselves. It's amazing. I, uh, I got this really cool. I got to see um, a, a couple this morning at Second Chance, and they got their two-and-a-half-week-old baby with them. He's so cute. His name's Killian. And I'm like, that dude is going to be a rock star or a linebacker. And, uh, and I was just thinking about it this morning when I was looking at him and looking at his mother and father because right now he's just like two-and-a-half weeks old. He has no idea how much he's loved. He can't wrap his mind around it. He has no idea how many awesome and incredible things his mother and his father want for him. He has no idea all that's been done to prepare the way for him. He has no idea everything that has been purchased for him and paid for for him. He has no idea. All he has to simply do is receive the love from his father and his mother. And the same, through the, the same thing that's true about Killian this morning is true about every single one of us in this room. We have no idea how good, how much good God wants for us. That's why we see in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, where he says, my thoughts are nothing like your, your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than than your thoughts. In other words, he's saying, hey, go ahead and trust me with that next step because I love you more than you could ever imagine I love you. I want good for you more than you actually want good for yourself. I want nothing but the best for you. And even though it might be uncomfortable and inconvenient, make the commitment to take that next step and get one step closer to the miracles that I want to do in your life. With that in mind, let me just ask you this question as we close. What's your next step? You've got one. I've got one. What's your next step in your walk with Jesus? Because the next step is the right step. With that in mind,
Can we stand for closing prayer? Jesus, thank you so much for this incredible story where we see heroes of faith really wrestling Jesus, pushing back on you because it's so uncomfortable. I pray for the for the people here today, for those of us, that that next step is so uncomfortable, but we know it. We know what we need to do. And right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you know what your next step is, if you know what your next step is, then just, just ask God right now for the courage to take it. Ask him, God, give me the courage to take that step. If you're here today and you, you, you think you know what it is or you're wrestling with it, but you want someone to pray with you or pray for you about that next step, listen, our church is here to serve. We've got people on our care team that would love to pray with you or pray for you. And if that's you and you just want somebody to pray with you about that next step today, I want you to right now, just without even looking, step out of your aisle and walk out the back door. We've got four exits and there's people from our care team and the reason they're here is we would just love to pray with you. We'd just love to pray for you about that next step. There's nobody that's going to judge you. There's nobody that's going to look down on you. We want to we do everything we can to partner with you to take that next step in your walk with Christ. And you can go because there's people moving and you just feel that. I want you to feel that freedom right now. And if you're here this morning and maybe your next step is to receive Christ, you've never actually received Jesus. If that's you and you know that's your next step, you know you need to pray to receive Christ today, then right where you stand today, I just want you, right where you're standing right now, just say, Jesus Christ, I give my life to you. Come into my life and take over. I believe you died on the cross to save me from my sins. And right now, I surrender everything to you but head still bowed and eyes still closed if you're in this room and you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ I want you right now just to put your hand up in the air because I want to pray for you I want to pray for you thank you sir anybody else thank you thank you sir if you're online you can raise your hand I see you in the back sir thank you father thank you for every single hand that was raised of people that have crossed over from death to life. Thank you, Jesus, for making next steps so obvious. God, I, I want to thank you for everyone here today. Father, that we would leave, we would, we would feel the freedom to talk about this at lunch, to talk about this at dinner, to talk about this over coffee, our next step. Father, I pray that you would fill us with the wisdom to know what those next steps are and the courage to actually follow through and take them. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus, that you made it so clear. And God, thank you that all of the people here are going to be so calm about the Yetis when they leave, and they're going to be nice, and nobody's going to steal or lie because, God, we know you will flatten their tires in the parking lot if they do. God, thank you so much for, for Father's Day, and thank you so much for being a good father. We love you, and we ask this in your name. Everybody said... Amen. Hey, see y'all next week. God bless.